You're listening to The Lost Art of Liner Notes, a podcast by Rumble Yard. Recently, we invited Imran Majid from Columbia Records and Rachel Platten into our studio to talk about making Rachel's new album, Waves. I am uh, Imran Majid, Senior Vice President of A&R Columbia Records. Ooh, that was a very official-sounding intro. <laughs> I practiced great. 200 times in the mirror. Did it's you? Like, yeah. That's amazing. My voice cracked the first 100. <laughs> and I am Rachel Platten, artist, signed by Imran at Columbia Records. <laughs> I thought about it sort of on the train ride in just sort of like our first meeting which I thought was, it was actually the most unorthodox meeting that I've ever had in my career where I've always known about Rachel. So when you're sort of doing A&R in the New York scene, there's a lot of sort of local artists that you hear about, and Rachel's part of that amazing scene, I thought, that existed. with Really cool artists came out, including Great Big World, Lady Gaga. You were aware of me back then? Yes. No way. Because remember when I told you when I was at Universal, you came in to do a showcase, and I was like, I will, so for some times. reason. So many times. I was always in there's a, doing yeah, yeah, yeah. showcases so, at Universal. So, <laughs> they were always like, so no, they're, thank they're like, you. How like, well, what are we doing on Friday? Let's call Rachel Platt do a showcase. <laughs> but I remember it distinctly because we've done a thousand showcases. Yeah. But for some reason, I just remembered the the so- showcase. I, always, I remembered sort of what you're wearing. It's like, like a baseball t-shirt. It was such a weird and choice. And some sneakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't and know I was why. like, oh, this girl is very charismatic and very charming. So <laughs> so anyway, so I've always known about sort of Rachel the scene. And when I came across Fight Song, it was it was a Friday. I remember it popped up on my radar right before I was about to head home. And I was like, okay, make note on Monday listen to the song. Mm. So Monday came around and right before I played it, I don't know why this crossed my mind. And I was like, here's a chance for this girl to make one great song and I haven't hit play yet, right? <laughs> and I'm like, if this is amazing, we have to figure out this deal, right? Oh, True story. Really? So I hit play and it was literally probably the first 30 seconds. I'm like, oh my God, she got the record. Um, oh my God, I could cry. It was that. So that was a Monday. Oh. This, so this is why the story is unorthodox. I'll try to fast forward because we got to get into a lot of stuff. But I remember uh, that was on a Monday. On a Tuesday, I emailed your publisher, Amanda Berman. I'm like, Amanda, your contact is on her website. Like, yeah. you need to introduce me to someone, right? So yeah. she introduced me to, and Amanda's the best. She introduced me to your manager, Ben Singer. And so Ben and I spoke quickly. That was a Tuesday. And then on a Thursday, you're on a flight to L.A., to take meetings. Um, and I was still in New York. Wait, P.S. Do you want to know where I was this whole time? I was in a van in freezing Ohio. Snow was like shutting the window closed. We uh-huh. barely could get the van. We were trying to go to a house concert that I really needed to play because it was going to make me $750 that I really needed for gas That's and hilarious. food. So Ben, my manager, called me and was like, Drop everything you're doing and come to L.A. And I was like, are you crazy? I have a $750 gig that I need to get to. Yeah. Leave me alone. I'm not going to L.A. And he was like, Rachel, leave your van wherever it is. Get in a cab and get to the airport. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> it's, it's funny, you know, because you always hear like sort of the, the side of the stories of like the record labels and A&R and the chase and all this stuff. So when I heard you're getting on a plane, I freaked out. 
I'm like, oh, my God, like she's going to have closed doors meeting with this company and that company and, you know, we're going to be behind. So this is sort of like it's happening. All these – you're taking label meetings and this whole time yeah, I'm in New York. Whirlwind it's whirlwind. Like, yeah. It was crazy after – 12 years of trying and literally showcasing everywhere and everyone being yeah. like, no, thanks. We're cool. We're, yeah, you and totally. your baseball tee, just go back to the village. Totally. And then, by the way, that's nuts. All these people were like, we always knew. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of felt like it was, I loved it. It, it was, it was awesome because I'm like, thank God I didn't call before. I didn't do a showcase before. This is my first contact, right? <laughs> I, at least true. I would think I'm winning a little that's bit, right? Because <laughs> everyone else is probably going through But I wasn't resentful. I was like, great, welcome yeah. to the party. So it's hilarious. So, so and, and this, I do want to hear, again, you hear the label side of it, but it's funny to hear sort of the artist side in this sort of this mode. But yeah. our first interaction is this, right? I'm still in New York. It's now Friday. And I get an email because there's like this, these quick meetings with our lawyer and your lawyer. And I'm like driving to my mom's house and I got this email from my lawyer being like, the deal is done. And literally I'm like, it's the first time I've ever done a deal, have never spoken to the artist, right? That's crazy. We didn't speak. We didn't speak and we didn't meet. And I get a phone call from Ben and he goes, this is probably a good time for you to speak to (laughs) to Rachel. (laughs) And I'm sitting on my mom's porch. I'm like, "Uh, this is the first time I've done this, but I'm getting on a plane. Let's just meet. So we met. On a either it was a Friday evening or Saturday. Where? At the Ivy. Do you remember the we met at the Ivy? Oh. And I and I and I and I remember after the dinner yeah. we had, we hung out afterwards, and I met a good friend of mine. And I sat with him. I'm like, this girl is gonna be massive. Oh. It was just like it was this weird feeling. Really? Um and that was sort of our first interaction. That's amazing. But how is it like so That's so again on the artist side, you're in a van. You've been doing this. A lot of people, you know, the story is well documented. Um, you write this. Well, in, well, well, <laughs> well documented. <laughs> Google it. Um, <laughs> there's this great, but what is it like sitting in your seat after wanting it that oh. bad, doing it for so long, but at that specific moment, not just so much the work ethic that come up, but like you're being courted. Like, oh what my is that God, like? it was so bizarre. It was so strange. It was like, some alternate reality mm-hmm. that I couldn't totally believe was true. Yeah. Because it had been so many years of rejections and yeah. so many years of people, of me trying to get people's attention and then ultimately reaching a point of kind of surrender of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to do this regardless because I love to make music and because it's fun and because creating is what I'm put on this earth to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to songwrite. Yeah, yeah. So I'd reached that point of peace with it, and then it's always like that, right? Like once you kind of let something go and don't put so much pressure on it, the world rushes to fill it up like a vacuum that you've emptied. But even still, it was shocking. Mm -hmm. Shocking. I went from, yeah, counting dollars to to get gas on the road and playing in living rooms, which Mm -hmm. was an amazing time, actually. (laughs) Honestly, (laughs) it was really special. (laughs) To being flown to L.A. to having everyone call me all day long and telling me how spectacular I am, how they've always known I'm spectacular. It was fucking crazy. Oops, wait. Okay, Okay, sorry. (laughs) Two guys in a room telling me it's okay. I can swear. It was so crazy. I kind of couldn't believe it. I really, yeah. yeah. It also just felt like a dream come true. Mm -hmm. It was also like... Pinching myself all the time. Yeah. And even behind all of that was something deeper because I knew 
that that song was going to help people and was going to reach people. I had this knowing yeah. even before your call, even before anyone's interest, even yeah, before the yeah. radio station found it. I just knew that that song was meant to heal people and help yeah. people. So I had this belief that whatever it was going to take, that song was going to get out there and I could kind of relax. Yeah. So when it was happening, I just was thinking to myself, oh, my God, this song is going to reach people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I and, it, and it's like – it's funny. It's like when you – like it's rare that you sort of part of this experience where like on the first meeting, on the first listen, on the first everything – it's just gonna work. Like there was no doubt. Oh that's that's the crazy part. Because you're kind of like, is there a shorter edit or or what? Are, what do people think if you do this? And well, and I had spent two years getting the song to that point. I had learned. I learned to produce because yeah. producers. I had tried four different producers and none of them were getting the drums right. So when I was living in New York, I went to Guitar Center. I don't know if you know this. No. I went to Guitar Center one day and I found the most eager looking dorky guy down in tech. <laughs> and I was like. Buddy, do you want to teach me Logic yeah. or Pro Tools or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He was like, I would love to. And I was like, come to my house twice a week. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay you and whatever I can afford. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so he could come over. And for six months, I learned Pro Tools and Logic so that I could learn to produce it so that I could get those drums right. So now that you're hearing like the. Yeah, that was from me. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, and then then finally, once I got that right and I got the verse right, yeah. I wrote like five different verses yeah, because yeah. I couldn't hear it correctly. But once I got the drums right, I knew what the melody needed to be. Then I brought it to John Levine. Mm-hmm. Then he produced it perfectly with yeah, Ben's yeah. help. But it came to your ears after so, so many versions yeah, that, that, yeah, of course it was perfect. That, ben and I wouldn't let anything go out into the world yeah, that wasn't yeah. perfect. Like, Fucking perfect. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm alright song. My powers turned off. Starting right now, I'll be strong. I'll play my fight song. And I don't really care if nobody else believes. Cause I've still got a lot of fight left in me. So Wildfire, multi-platinum single, fight song, platinum single with Stand By You, gold album. That's pretty great. That's that's, cool. that's amazing. That's cool for to for, hear all for that. a debut album when you sort of like and it was it was a global phenomenon. That was yeah. that was the amazing part. So transitioning into this album could be a little bit of a random question. There may not be connection, but you know You're doing a great job, by the way, so far. Am I? Yeah. It's my first time. I know you're doing a really good job. What if we had our own podcast? No, we like, could. If we did, what what do you think? People are listening are like, they should not they should, have their own podcast. They, should, <laughs> they are like, getting really ahead of themselves. Yeah. Why don't they at least get to this record? <laughs> totally. Um, the, the the Hillary moment, right? You know, the way the election What Imran's referring out. to is that Hillary Rodham Clinton, yes. the Democratic nominee, yeah. chose Fight Song as her campaign anthem. Yes. They do that in podcasts, you know? They do that. Okay, yeah. sorry. No, no, um, it's okay. I just, it was helpful. There. Yeah. So, so... <laughs> You know, you have a record like Broken Glass, mm-hmm. right, which is a lead single to the album Waves. You know, and it was like this sort of like explicit anthem. It's such an important record and it felt like such an important record to transition from wildfire into Waves, you know, yeah. because, you know, we're going to get into sort of the the breakdown of, of Waves, mm-hmm. you know, musically is just on a whole nother level from where you, you've come. But it almost felt like there's a good bridge that existed. Yeah. Where did that sort of stem from? Was that from... Did it come from anything, you know? Yeah, so, okay, to answer the first Mm -hmm. part of it, 
When Hillary chose to use Fight Song, that was really scary at first mm-hmm. because, okay, Fight Song had sold millions of copies already and it had been in a lot of campaigns and, and done a lot of amazing stuff on its own. But the biggest thing that it had done was it was universal. It was not divisive. Yeah. That song was crossing lines and helping connect people. And that's a huge thing that I want to do with my music. It's really important to me. So hearing that something like this election, which was so emotional and so divisive, it terrified me that a song that was uniting people could all of a sudden become something that would divide. And I said no for a little while. Mm -hmm. Finally, we said yes when it became like something that I, as a human, couldn't ignore. I needed to do my part. I needed to like help in any way and and use my voice and okay awesome you want to use my song hell yeah let's go Mm. but the moment that she stepped out on the stage and stepped out during the convention to fight song i wasn't prepared for what was going to come next which was okay a lot of love and a lot of celebration but a lot of hate Mm. it was really scary i got attacked online Mm -hmm. and every news outlet and media publication wanted an interview, wanted my take on it. And I was too afraid to speak. I was paralyzed. I literally told my publicist, I don't want to talk to anyone. She was like, are you sure, Rachel? This is important. And I was scared because I was getting death threats. And wow. part, and I was getting not just from the right. I was from the left. People were like attacking me. This song's horrible. Uh, but part of it was what Hillary was getting. Mm-hmm. I was getting what she was getting because yeah. I was attached to her all of a yeah. sudden. So Broken Glass was really a response to how it must feel to be anyone standing up trying to break a ceiling and a barrier that people do not want you to break. Yeah. Which is which is interesting because it's like, you know, when you're doing creative stuff, it's like, you know, you want everyone to just love it. You know, that's just it's a sort of oh, a human, yeah. human and, instinct. And artists are deeply insecure. And, and that's a big yeah. part of it. So a lot of artists, when they're sort of in that moment, you know, some of them just shut off. You know, I've worked with a lot of artists who are just almost like it's crippling how insecure they are based on what other people think. And especially in this climate where it's like you can you can this turn your computer so on. This so different than yeah. a review of an album. Yeah, yeah, This was like, I mean, you, everybody, we all know. I mean, yeah, yeah. everyone listening to this podcast, we weren't, we were there. We experienced it. Like, mm-hmm. there was so much more yeah, yeah. to this. There were so many more layers. Yeah, yeah that were bubbling up, that were being surfaced because of this election. And it was all falling on fights. But, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but, but, like, but the great thing is... There was an took... article in the LA Times called The Science of Why Fight Song Sucks. I was like, there's a <laughs> oh science of why I suck? That's that really so bad. crushed me. That in a, in a really serious death threat. That yeah. Those two, I was like, I can't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And it's real, man. It's like that stuff, it's like, you know... You're there. You're on. You're in the trenches. You're you're seeing this stuff happen. And I think for you to take that moment where some people would have just shut down, I think you almost took that energy into sort of this this album. I did for this one little piece of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there for the rest of the album. Yeah. The rest of the album is sorry. Sorry. For oh the no, single, no, that's for okay. Single, but for the single, absolutely. The rest of the album is funny. It's like it's just m- me honestly responding to my life and pouring out my life onto the page without judgment or without a filter. But this was that too. Mm -hmm. You know, this was like, you're right. I was scared. I didn't want to talk about, talk about it publicly, but then I can't help but talk about it when I'm writing. Yeah. And I'm human. You know, people want their artists to be quiet Mm -hmm. or they want them to speak up louder. No one knows what they want from their artists. Yeah, exactly. But I'm first of all a human and I was responding to what was going on and I was watching a woman try to break this gender barrier and it was meaningful to me and this song was 
for her, sure, but also for all of the little girls holding posters, mm-hmm. you know, rallying. And then ultimately when what happened happened yeah. and there were tears in women's eyes and, and fear from a lot of girls and then this amazing men that supported us and like it was for all of them too and it was funny because fight song was more for me mm-hmm. stand by it was for me this song was like kind of an outward yeah. i i feel like i should as a human write yeah, this yeah yeah It's interesting to hear sort of that side of where you were sort of in your life and and sort of what that specific song meant for you almost in like transitioning to the album, which I really want to get into now. Yeah. So let's just talk about the record making process. You know, um, I thought one of the most important phone calls that I got in the beginning process of you making the album I remember exactly where I was. I was standing next to a garbage can in Penn Station. Why? I don't know why. But it just ha- I just remember that so clearly. And it's you called. garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so I, I just remember you just being like how excited you were in the writing that started out of the gate. Oh and God. you said, I found my voice yeah. out of the gate. And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't about the way you sang, but no. it was also a sort of part of it. Yeah. It was about you had something to say, which is yes. the hardest part coming on yeah. on sort of follow-up release to you know such a successful run. Yes. I really, really think I, I really don't know how that happened so easily. Yeah. But it was almost as if the years of work I put in yeah. to Fight Song and the years of work I put in before Fight Song, the 12 years, finally were coming back to reward me. Like Mm -hmm. all these years of songwriting, the 500 thousands of songs that I wrote that I didn't realize was a skill that I had built. I stopped for a year and a half to market the record and I was touring. And when I finally let myself write again, it was like this floodgate opened and all of these skills that I had acquired I didn't even know I had were right there to support me and help me get the feelings that were deep that I needed to express. They like helped me easily get them out. It's got to be hard, you know, again, sitting in my seat. It's like, okay, Rachel, we got to cut this down. We got to make an album. You write so many songs through this process. How difficult is it to make the album, like the, to actually mm. pick what's going to go on the album? Because you're so oh, like, that's a good question. for the most part, attached to a lot of these songs. That was funny. There was a process towards the end. All right. So the beginning was this beautiful, like, field of no judgment yeah. and no no criticism. I didn't, I didn't really filter anything that was coming out or judge it, which mm-hmm. I don't know how to impress upon like a non-writer that's listening how rare that is and how like freeing it is mm-hmm. because normally what happens is you were like, I believe you have this like inner artist and it's like a little kid yeah. and the little kid is like, let me play with crayons. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna play with this color. I'm gonna do this. And then the adult in us is like, that's not good. Put that yeah, crayon yeah. away before the paintings even made. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. So it was so fun yeah, yeah, to write yeah. these songs. I felt like I was on a playground. And yeah. and then when it was time to wrap it up, you're right. I had about 25 or 30 songs that I loved. They were my babies. Yeah. 
The rest of them, I could honestly look at them and be like, okay, I let you exist and I let you come out, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not great. Move yeah. along. But I really did love about like 25 of them, mm-hmm. maybe 30 of them. Um, but I also trust Ben and I really trust you a lot. And I let your guys' voices and opinions come in then mm-hmm. a lot. And I really, really listened and cared yeah what you both thought as well as what some other people on my team thought. Totally. And, and that I, helped me kind of narrow it yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Can we go let's through some of the the creatives and then get into some of the songs? Oh, for the love of God, um, let's do it. These poor people have been I know. waiting. Um okay. so I'm gonna name some names and tell me tell me Jason Evigan, Ian Kirkpatrick. Like they're yeah. sort of common throughout the project. Yeah. John Levine, mm-hmm. which is fantastic to get back in with with John. Talk me to Nate Seifert, yeah, who's who felt like an important piece of yeah. uh, of this. How was that like? You know, you those, become good friends with a lot of them. Those four were, and Brett McLaughlin. Brett McLaughlin. The five fantastic. of them were like the people I worked with the most yeah, yeah. on writing the record. They are all incredible, mm-hmm. incredibly talented individually. I did different combinations with some of them. Mm-hmm. Nate, I'll start with him. Yeah. He's, Ben's going to laugh when he hears that I started with Nate because yeah, he yeah. thinks I'm obsessed with me. Um, Nate Seifert, he's not a producer. Mm-hmm. He's a songwriter. Actually, he probably produces. Who knows? Nate and I first got together and we wrote Broken Glass together. That was like the first session. Yeah, yeah. And I don't always find that top liners, top liners are the people that just write music and lyrics and they're not the producer in the room. And I don't always even like a top liner because I write my own lyrics and melodies and and sometimes it can get in my way or Mm -hmm. make me doubt myself nate has a gift where he is able to compliment so perfectly what i want to say in Mm -hmm. the world and push me in places and pull me and like trust me and bring out really my best yeah so we wrote some of my favorite lyrics together we wrote a song called hands which is about my grandmother who passed away. And you just posted about that being your favorite song this weekend. She had passed away two months before, and Mm -hmm. he helped me heal kind of through writing that song. We also wrote a song called Grace together, Mm -hmm. some of the deepest songs on the record, and Grace is Imran's favorite on the record. I've I've been listening all weekend long. (laughs) It's it's such a – it's honest. It's honest, and it's vulnerable, and I wrote it at 4 in the morning in the middle of the night, Mm. I was crying. I woke up yeah. from a dream crying with so much fear. And I went to the piano and poured out that chorus. It just came as if like gifted from the sky. Mm-hmm. And then I knew I had to finish it alone. I just felt like it was my song. I had to finish mm-hmm. it. But I couldn't do it. Yeah, it was yeah. too raw. So finally I let myself relax and have mm-hmm. the permission to bring it to someone else. And I knew Nate and Jason would be the people that needed to carry that song. Yeah, yeah. Step inside my mind. Help me be a better person. Or at least a better version of me Cause right now all I wanna do is Scream that I need grace Cause I'm running low on faith And I really wanna change my heart Cause I'm falling apart these days And what I really need is grace Watching over my mistakes Did Grace and Hands and Broken Glass and also Love Back, which is a song to my fans yeah. about how much they make me feel safe in yeah, the world, yeah. being myself. So a lot of deep stuff we did together. Mm-hmm. Jason, should I just go like that, like go down by? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Evigan is 
another incredibly talented producer and writer and human. And we became such close friends mm-hmm. of this process. His wife and my husband and yeah. I, we vacation together. Like, Ski trips. Yeah. 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 Um, he's just brilliant. Both he and Nate have this thing where they like channel light. Mm-hmm. They just can like... I don't know what everyone who was listening to this podcast believes, but I believe in all this, you uh, yes. know, weird stuff yeah, yeah. about angels coming in and and intending. And, and they both kind of open up the world in mm-hmm. terms of you're not just writing from your own, you know, heart with your own experience. You're yeah. like, you feel like you're writing with ethereal assistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jason does that. He, like, pours light into the studio just with his being. And he's so fucking incredible at production. He was so intuitively understood what the sounds needed yeah. to be. He was, I think, the first producer to nail what the sound, sound not yeah, totally. the what the sound of the song should be, what the yeah. actual sound. Mm-hmm. He did five songs on the record. Whole Heart, I think was, we had three days in January, me, him, and then we had a couple different top liners, and we wrote three of them right in a row. Mm-hmm. Whole Heart, Loose Ends, and Shivers. It was like yeah, the yeah. most amazing week. Yeah. I love the way you make me So Jason is just incredible. I, this record would not be the same without him. Mm-hmm. John Levine is one of my favorite people mm-hmm. in the world. He, I feel like, is my true collaborator. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a long, long history. Yeah. We might be writing a musical this year together. We're like, That's we're just going to write together for years to come. And John helped me tap into that little playground, like the little kid version of me and help me let it feel so safe Mm. we experimented so much we went really out there with what we tried there's a song called wild that you you and ben aren't crazy about it (laughs) but it made it onto the target version so if anyone has the target version (laughs) it's the very last song it's this totally weird song that's all vocoder it's this 1970s vocoder and that's it and it it's just like this strange feminist anthem that's mm-hmm. just like bizarre. I don't even know yeah, where these yeah. words came from. Um, we did Good Life together, which is one of my other favorites on the record. Anthem. And it's so silly. There's mm-hmm. like this like, oh, yeah, this kind of yeah. sounds like a lion's roar yeah, in it. Yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's just so, so there were no rules with yeah. John. I'm living when I feel like that. I'm living when I open my eyes. And ooh, I got the Google incredible to work with yeah so you know i feel like with the combination of all them there's this great 
shape of this album that shows so much of sort of who you are. Like you mentioned, Broken Glass was one thing. But if you break down the records, it's fun. There's vulnerability. There's love. There's, you know. It's really all of me. Mm -hmm. You know, it really showcases every single side of of who I am. That was something that my family remarked on when they listened to it finally because I kind of kept it really protected. I didn't didn't really let anyone listen to any songs. Well, I just I just know myself. I know that I can be swayed pretty easily mm-hmm. by opinions. And even though I do feel so confident right now, I do feel like I've grown a lot um, in terms of owning where I'm at, knowing that I deserve to be here. I can easily be thrown off that yeah. and like, oh, God. So I kept it kind of safe and protected. And when they finally listened, their response was like a lot of tears of pride. Yeah. And then also like, Rachel, this is you. Mm-hmm. This is just who you are. Yeah. All of it. There's complete unbridled joy. Mm-hmm. There's like total silly party mode. I had an amazing day in the studio yeah. where I made everyone wear onesies. Yeah. And I drank so much tequila. <laughs> awesome. We wrote shivers. Just <laughs> like a dance party. Yeah. Um, and then there's songs like Grace that I wrote in the middle, middle of the night crying. There's a lot of songs about my husband mm-hmm. and the different sides of our relationships. And it's extremely honest. It's me saying on a song like Fooling You, like, I don't. Think I deserve to be with you. I don't yeah, know why yeah. you love me. Yeah, yeah, I'm horrible. Yeah, I don't know if we. I don't know if I'm unique in thinking that. But don't we all sometimes when someone like loves us with with every ounce of their being, we're yeah. like, why? And that's I mean, that's <laughs> it. It's like you, I mean, there's so much that that I feel like you just relate. Even though it's like it's your emotion, but I feel like it just connects so much to a variety of people and sort of the experiences that they go through. I feel like I feel like you've done such an incredible job doing that. What is I mean, what is what is your most proudest moment of this album? What mm, is You know, I think Perfect for You might be. Wow. Cuz I pulled that one out 3 days before the record was due. Like the whole entire yeah. thing was due, like mixing master, masters were in. And I was exhausted and I was at a point where I felt like I had delivered enough. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of was at this bratty moment of like, ah, yeah, yeah, I gave you hits. Yeah, Leave yeah, me yeah. alone. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, so yeah. awful. But but that's how I felt. I felt like it had been a year. I had written stuff that we were all so excited about mm-hmm. that we think could be singles. Whoever yeah. whoever fucking knows. Yeah, you know, yeah. you don't know. But like we all felt like there's magic here. And then my husband actually, Kevin, was like, I went to this session. I didn't know why Ben scheduled it. I was so annoyed. I thought I was done writing mm-hmm. for the record. I was on tour. And I'm like, why the hell do I have a session right now? It's like, you know, there hadn't been a session in a month. It was yeah, so yeah. weird. And he's like, hi, Rachel, just trust me. And I got to the session. I was cranky. I called him halfway through the day, like, oh, I don't want to be here. These guys are really nice and talented, but, mm-hmm. like, I'm exhausted. I just flew in. I'm flying out tomorrow. The chorus that we wrote was the chorus for Perfect For You, which is the first track on the album. Yeah. And the song was me saying, I've done enough. I can't be perfect for you. I'm done trying to impress you. I'm done trying to, like, correct my flaws. I just, I'm tired of this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, accept me as I am or don't. Yeah. And and I left. I left. It was just a chorus that we wrote and some weird verse. Mm -hmm. And I went home and I was like, whatever, that session sucked. Like, I sucked. It's all, it all sucks. It sucks. And my husband listened to the, the chorus and he's like, Rachel, that's a hit. And I don't know what's wrong with you. And he's like, send it to Imran. And I send it to you and you text it back, yo, this is a hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I send it to Ben and he's like, yeah, this is good. It, I had no time. I was, on the ro- I was on the road. I had no time to finish it. Yeah. And so we were like, whatever, next record. You know, it'll be for yeah, the next yeah. record. This is the moment I'm the most proud of because I pulled out any ounce of songwriting juju I had left. And I 
finished it. And I love those yeah. verses. And I love that bridge more than anything. Yeah. It allows me to sing. And, that yeah, and I feel like, and, I, and we're, we're about to sort of wrap up, but I just think that it's so good that you brought up that song. It's, it's, I remember you called me the night before just being like, you felt in your voice, like you're, you sort of the exhaustion, but the next day you're like, I owned it. I'm <laughs> owning this, you know? And like, I feel like that's just, I woke up that morning and yeah, I was like, I am going to do this today. And, and what a way to finish this album that you're so proud of. And that yeah. just sounds just so incredible creatively, but like your final at the final, <laughs> literally the artwork was due like five days later. Yeah. You know, we didn't know who could even physically make it on the album, but, and it's the first track, which is also symbolic, yeah. but it's just like, it's such a great story to, to tell because, I think it just sort of sums up, you know, you starting that that record and in such a strong way and you finishing yeah. that record, you in know, or the album, way, yeah. you know, in such a strong way. It's true. I can't seem to shake it loose. Cause all this insecurity's hurting me tired of trying to be perfect for you. I'm done jumping through hoops. There's too much time I've wasted on chasing the face that I cannot be perfect for you. Allowed me to to really show myself who I am, what yeah. I can do. That that it's true that I do not get knocked down. Yeah, I refuse to stay down. I just refuse. I love it. <laughs> love it. I love you. Uh, well, congratulations <laughs> on the album. This is really fun. This is fun. We should do this. I'm really glad that we got to do this. Yeah. It was nice though, like in a way, to go through all of this and you know we released the record mm-hmm. and I'm so proud to have it out there. And now we're in the mindset of like, who's going to listen? Who's going to, exactly. who's, what is the world going to think? But it's really awesome and important for artists and the people that support the artists to go back and just, it's like a ritual. It, totally. Kind of celebrate the process and like. It's very therapeutic too, yeah. just to hear these stories. Yeah, Some stories you don't even know. I know. All right. So thank you, Rachel, so much for being you for this podcast. Thank you, Emma. Um, I love you. But sharing <laughs> your sort of soul and like every ounce of you in this in this album and, and you hear it. I'm so proud of you. God, that means so much to me. Thank you so much. I love you. I love your support. Thank you for believing in me and letting me make the album of my dreams, honestly. You're the best. You're the best, High dude. Five. Love you. Fuck yeah. yeah. You are the reason that I see in Huge thanks to Rachel Platten and Imran Majid for being our guests. You can visit rachelplatten.com to find out more about Rachel's new album, Waves, available now. This episode was produced by Lee Stimmel, Mark Grandy, Donna Shapiro, and me, Matthew Billy. Special thanks to Simon Marcus of Pippa and Columbia Records. The Lost Art of Liner Notes is a Rumbleyard production. Rumbleyard is a division of Sony Music. For more information, please visit rumbleyard.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>